If you have your Bibles for just a few moments today, I want to take you to the book of Philippians chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me encourage you next Sunday, uh, you can't beat a free lunch. It's just going to, I don't know how else to say it, you can't beat a free lunch. And next Sunday, we're going to provide you with a wonderful meal, uh, and uh, you're not going to be disappointed in it if you'll just come and uh, come after service to the Family Center. All of our ministries are going to have a table set up explaining in detail more of what they do. Hopefully you'll see something that you would want to become more involved with. Amen. I believe that God frowns on lazy Christians. Amen. I, I believe that God frowns on people that He has invested so much in if we don't do something with that investment. And so get involved. There's so many different things that you could do. Next Sunday is going to be a great day to launch your ministry. And we're excited about that. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 12. Paul writing said, But I would you should understand that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. This verse of Scripture got in my mind and my heart back last week on Tuesday, and I have not been able to shake it out of my mind. So I'm going to try to preach to you a little bit from this particular verse. The things which have happened unto me. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of Philippians is one of the last, if not the last, of Paul's writing. Paul is an older man now, and he has been in prison. At present moment, he is in Rome, a place he had always wanted to go since the time of his conversion. He had wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. But his journey there had not been a pleasant one. It had not been the most enjoyable trip. To get there, he had to survive the mob that wanted to kill him. And the Roman soldiers that apprehended him and mistreated him, you read in Acts, you will find the things that were done to Paul in this coming to Rome. He was slapped in the face, he was imprisoned, he was bound and beaten, he was lied on and severely mistreated. In his journey to Rome, he would suffer shipwreck. He would go night and day without sleep or food for numbers of days. And now here he is in Rome, chained between two praetorian guards. He wanted to be there. It was his wish to come, but I don't think he expected the journey to be like that. 
You need to be careful what you pray for in life. You need to be careful what you ask God for. Because God will give it to you. But it may not always be the way you want it. And so for Paul, progress he learned is not always pretty. And the journey of life is often painful. And we are always confronted by problems. And now here he sits in a prison cell who some have envisioned to be the theater of his punishment. But he has determined to make it the scene of his triumph. And so in this prison, Paul begins to write to the church. To a church that along with him had suffered much. And in his beginning he makes a statement that just to me is so revelatory. He said to these Philippian believers and to all of you here this Sunday morning. I want you to understand that the things that have happened to me. When I read that phrase, I stopped for a moment to consider all that that involved. And my mind has been awash all week with the thought of the things that have happened to me. What a world of things are meant by that statement. If I were to take the microphone this morning and walk through this congregation and ask you to tell me about the things that have happened to you. We would be here all day and all evening and only one section would have gotten through because we've had a lot of things happen. Life is full of things. We could write a book about all the things that have happened to us. And if we had the time, the stories would flow out of the unexpected, the twists, the turns that life had brought to us. How many of you, when you began your Christian journey, envisioned all the things that you would have to encounter in your journey through life? How many of you wonderful women who were married, when you stood at the altar and you looked Google-eyed into that young man's face and you made all of those powerful commitments that I will do this and I will do that, how many of you envision all the dirty dishes, the dirty diapers and the dirty houses that you were going to have to clean up not just once but over and over and over again? And how many men envision that you were going to hear, I told you so, Over and over and over again. None of us can see what the future holds. Although all of us have dreams and desires and aspirations and longings, we are like Paul. There are certain places that we want to go and there are things that we want to accomplish Paul wanted Rome for the opportunity of presenting the gospel. He figured it to be the grandest stage of all. It needed to hear about the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. But he did not envision the journey in which he would have to travel to get there. 
when life shows us its worst side. That's what we want to talk about this morning. That is when the greatest test of faith and life comes. And we choose to either feed our memories or live in hope of a better day. To see in your prison an opportunity or to see in your prison nothing more than a cell. Life is either a setback or a setup. Either way you look at it, you're going some direction. And we all look on life from different perspectives. For some of you, you have to consider, is it a calamity or is it an opportunity? Is it a prison or is it a pulpit? Am I bound or am I free? Is this a disadvantage where I am or can it be turned to an advantage? Is this going to bind me or will this thing that I am going through, this thing that has happened to me, will it release something from my life that will further my ministry or further my desire or bring me closer to the thing that I long for, what will it be? What is the record of the hard days of life? That's the question that needs to be answered this morning. It is the record of the hard days that is the real record of life. And it is what we do with these things that have happened to us that make or break us and determine whether we go forward or we go backward. Life isn't fair. We all know that. Life, do, don't, don't we know that? Some of you look like Brother Hughes. It's like telling me Santa Claus doesn't exist. Life isn't fair. Get over it. Quit crying about it. <laughs> Quit moaning about it. People aren't fair. Uh, life doesn't always serve you what you want. Things are not always done right. Toward you or about you or in relationship to you. What Paul was going through wasn't even his fault, really. He was there because the Jews wanted to shut him up. And they thought a prison would do that. But a prison really gave him the voice that he could not have if he had been free. Think about it. He's chained between two Roman guards 24 hours a day for two and a half years or three years. And they are changed every five minutes according to history in some places because if they left a guard longer than five minutes, Paul was going to convert them. Can you imagine the number of Roman guards that came through Paul's cell and the number of people that heard the gospel preached that didn't know they were hearing the gospel preached that left and went out to their families and told their children and their grandchildren, let me tell you about this prisoner that I was chained to today. And so Paul, what 
the Jews thought was going to silence him and what the Jews thought was going to forever put out his testimony became the greatest pulpit that Paul could ever have desired and it was in a prison cell. And so when Paul was writing to these Christians that were going through some hard times, he said, I want you to understand something about me. The things that have happened to me have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. I want to ask you a question this morning. What have the things that have happened to you produced in your life? What are they making out of you this morning? Are you a better person or are you just a bitter person? You know, I've met a lot of angry people in life, and they always blame somebody else. I've never seen anybody look in the mirror and say, it's my fault. They always tell me about, well, if this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened and -and so-and-so hadn't said this and they hadn't done that and people hadn't treated me this way, life ain't fair, folks. I know that's not good English, but that's just good theology. It's not fair. But what happens to you in life is not as important as what it does to you. And so Paul wanted the Christian to know that there's a difference between what happens to you and what happens in you. You can't stop things from happening. You you can't stop life from coming in all of its changes and all of its convoluted mess you cannot prevent that from happening you you cannot stop the tide of life as it sweeps over your soul but you can determine how that is going to affect you and how the outcome of that is going to produce in your life something good or something bad is this a setup or is it a setback You see, the record of your hard days is really the record of your life. And the way that we react to those things is telling. The difference between men and women is not the measure of their adversity. But it is in what they do with the adversity that comes to them that determines the man or the woman. In every life, sooner or later, the sun's going to hide its face. Rain's going to fall. Wind's going to blow. The floods are going to rise. One man's house is going to stand. Another man's house is going to fall. And who determines which that will be? You and I, by how we build. Amen. The difference lies not in the intensity of the storm, but in the power to withstand the storm. And Paul said, I want you to understand that the things that have happened to me, the things that have happened to me have turned out for the good of the gospel. In the end, the greatness of life for all of us depends upon how we deal with the little phrase the things that have happened to us. I sit here today in in this sanctuary and I stand before you now and I realize that there's 
There's some folks here that have had to bear a lot of hard blows in your life. There are people here this morning that have come from dysfunctional families. You've come from very difficult background. There are people here today that have suffered through abuse. There are people here today that have been sorely mistreated in life. There are people here today that have been lied on and cheated on and and misrepresented. And there are people that sit here today, if life could have had its way, you would have been silenced a long time ago. But you're still here. You're still here. There's a testimony in just being here today. Amen. You can give me a nod. That's all right. Amen. There's a testimony and a victory in just showing up sometimes. Praise God. What kind of things am I talking about? I'm talking about hurtful things. I'm talking about mean things. I'm talking about harsh things. I'm talking about those things they put on Facebook about you that are not true. I'm talking about those things they say in the office about you that are not right. Those are the things I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way your boss treats you when you've given them a good hard day's work. I'm talking about the way the company treats you after you've given them years of service and if it's a cutback, it's a cutback. Pink slips don't matter to them. They have no heart when it comes to that. I'm talking about the injustices that have come to you. I'm talking about the hard, difficult things that you've had to deal with in your life and you've had to go through them to get where you are. And I've come to tell you that there's a testimony in your survival and there is a witness that difficult times do not have to be the end of your life. Praise God. Somebody clap your hands and praise God with me right now. You see, I'm not as concerned about what has happened to you as I am as what is happening in you. It is the victories which men have won over and against all kind of circumstances that are the greatest stories of life. It is Handel dealing with depression feeling like his life was over, losing everything, living in poverty, almost dead. And yet in that hour, Handel writes his greatest musical composition that lives on today that is known as Handel's Messiah. It came out of the darkest hours of his life. I'm talking about Milton who went blind and in his blindness felt that his life was over. And yet if you trace the story of Milton's life, you will find that some of his greatest poetry was written after his blindness, not before his blindness. I'm talking about Beethoven, the great Beethoven, who thought his life was over when the doctors announced to him, you're going deaf, Beethoven, and there's nothing that we can do to reverse that. And yet in in Beethoven's deafness, 
If you study his life, you will find that in those years when he could hear nothing but silence, he wrote his greatest musical compositions. I'm talking about David Livingston who dragged himself through the dark jungles of Africa, sickened in his own body because there was a dream in him of making a difference in that community and touching the lives of men in a meaningful manner. Prisons engulfed them of deafness and blindness and sickness and infirmity, but out of these prisons came poetry, came music, came inventions, came discoveries, came remarkable achievements because men come to realize that a prison is not a setback, but often a setup for something greater in your life. And so Paul said, I just want you to know that the things that have happened to me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Can I ask you another question? Can I ask you again, what have the things that have happened to you produced in your life? I want to ask you another question. If somebody had been chained to your side for the last two years, what would they have learned about God? And what would they have learned about life? If somebody had been following you around for the last two years and they had to listen to everything that you said about life right now, about the things that have happened to you, what would they have learned? This government is just no good. My family doesn't care. My boss doesn't appreciate anything I do. This church doesn't love me. These people don't care. This ministry doesn't appreciate my gifts. What would they have learned if they had been chained to you for the last two years? Man, I could quit preaching right here. I probably ought to because some of you are looking a little gun shot. I'm talking about the things that have happened to you. What have they produced in your life? Paul said, I just, I want you to know what they've produced in my life. They produced a ministry that I never would have had in any other place. I would have never had the opportunity to reach the people that I'm reaching if it had not been for these chains that are on me right now. Because these chains have brought me every five minutes in contact with a new soul that I've got to tell them about the love of God and the saving power of Jesus Christ. 
and the blood that will cleanse them from all their sin. I've been able to tell them that somebody cares and somebody knows and somebody great and powerful can change. I've been able to witness to the world in this prison cell. I want to ask you this morning, is it a prison or is it a pulpit? Are you bound or are you free? It all depends on how you look at it and what you allow it to do to you. And Paul said, I just want you to know that the things that have happened to me, what they've done to me, is opened my eyes and made me realize that even in the most difficult of circumstances, I still have a lot to be thankful for. I still have much to praise God over. That I can still lift my hands and I can still call Him Lord. And I can still mean it from the bottom of my heart. The things that have happened. What are these things making out of us? Mice or men? Fearful or faithful? What are they making out of us? Bitter or better? Angry or achievers? What are the things that are happening to us? What are they doing to us? Are they hardening us? Are they making us more tender? You see, the same sun that softens the butter hardens the clay. And whether it softens or hardens depends on the substance in which the sun shines. And life has a way of doing that to us. And there are some people that have this, they have got this shell about them because life has been so hard and this is how they survive. I told somebody not long ago, I said, the reason that that person is acting like that is because that is a survival tool that they learned a long time ago in their youth because of the bad bringing up that they had to go through. And they got this tool, and back then it helped them, and now it's hurting them. I want to ask you a question. Are you still using some tools that helped you survive 20 years ago that you needed then, but you're trying to use them now and all they're doing is repelling people and you don't understand why people don't want to be around you or they don't want to be connected to you? It could be that you need to get some new tools. You need to realize that this opportunity that I have, I don't need what I had back then in the, in the tool category. I need something new. I need something fresh. And I need to realize that this is a new opportunity for me to show God's greatness and to showcase his power even in a prison. So the question is, what has the things that have happened to you done to you? And what are they producing in you? Are they hardening you? Are they making you tender? Are they causing you to be a more complaining person or is there a praise that comes to your lips more quickly? Are you a witness or are you a whiner? Oh, praise God. Brother Hughes, I didn't come to Sunday school for church for that today, but you got it anyway. It's free. You didn't have to pay for that. Amen. Praise God. Let me ask you about the things that have happened to you. Look at your life right now. I, I want you to shut everybody else out, and I want you to look at your life right now. I want you to ask yourself this question. What have the things 
that have happened to me over the last few years, what have they produced in my life? And what have they done to me? What are they doing to me right now? Have they bound me? Have they tied me up? Have they shackled me? Or have they freed me? Have they liberated me? Have they brought me into a new opportunity of ministry? Man. The things that have happened unto me have fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. You see, Paul learned that in a prison you can still have faith. And your faith needs to speak. Your faith needs to speak. Your faith needs to speak up in those dark hours. And Paul's faith spoke up. What Paul said is not a note of submission, but it is the sound of conquest. The prison had become his pulpit. You see, the purpose of faith, listen to me, the purpose of faith is not to explain life, but it is to help you overcome life. It's not to help you make sense of life. It's to help you keep your sense in life. Faith's purpose is not to help you understand why this happened, but rather to empower you to live through what has happened. The man of faith does not know more about the meanings of life than the person that doesn't have faith, but he has the spirit within him that challenges life and makes life give something up that will enrich and make him a better man. That's what faith does. Faith is not an explanation of things, but a spirit in which I live life. And Paul said, the things that have happened to me have rather fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. That chip that you have on your shoulder, where did it come from? That edge you have in your voice when certain people speak to you, where did that come from? That reaction that you get when certain things are presented to you, where did that come from? It came from the things that have happened to you. And Paul said, I want to tell you, there's a better way to live than reacting. There's a better way to live than reacting to life. There's a way to live where you act. And that is a faith that says, you know what? I don't know why this has happened, and I don't understand it, but faith is going to help me get through it. God is the, not an author of confusion, and he didn't bring me here to let me down, and he did not bring me into this place to see me destroyed. He brought me here to help me see his glory, and he brought me here to understand that there's a door of opportunity if I'll just start looking if I'll quit whining and I'll quit complaining and I'll quit griping and I'll quit doing all the things that we love to do when we get into bad situations. He said, if you will start looking around, there is a door of opportunity closer 
than you can even understand. Paul's statement is a reminder that you don't interpret life by its fragments. And this is just a fragment. This is just a little picture. It's a snapshot. But it's not the whole picture. Make the most of your sorrows. History says that the guards had to be changed because they were converted every few minutes. If someone had been chained by your side over the last few years, what would they be today? Would they be in church? Would they be on the front row? If, them, if somebody had lived with you for the last two years or three years or six months or one week or one day, would they be coming to church still? Would they have their hands lifted in praise this morning saying, you know what, if it works for him, it'll work for me. The things that have happened unto me. Let's stand. I think y'all have had all y'all can stand for one Sunday. Amen. What have they fallen out to? What have they produced? What have they become in, in my life? Paul learned in those dark moments that there's always something to be thankful for. Amen. Always something to be thankful for. Always. I love the story of Job because Job is a character that all of us can identify with because he lost so much. And yet when I was reading that one day, it dawned on me that he hadn't lost everything. Now, he did lose a lot, but he didn't lose everything. And I've had preachers preach that he lost everything. No, he didn't. He didn't lose everything. Almost, but not all. There were servants that were still alive. Some, there was a messenger that brought him the bad news. He still had those guys. Sometimes bad news is better than no news. But Paul looked around and realized that, you know what? God has been good to me. And if this is how my life ends, so be it. But I'm not giving up here. And this prison is not going to hold me. And so if you read on, you will find that Paul expressed a deep spirit of thankfulness, grateful. God... You've kept me. I could have died in that storm. They, the, that mob could have gotten out of hand. They could have beaten me to death. But you, you drew a line. You would not allow them to go beyond that. Beaten with stripes. Many times Paul was tied to the whipping post. But just before he died, they would stop. God spared him Paul looked back over his life and realized, you know, as bad as things have been, I still have something to be thankful for. Amen. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I may be beat up. I may have a black eye. I may have some teeth missing. 
I may limp, but I'm here. Uh, sometimes I just want to look at life and go, nah, 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 nah. Now, I know some of you don't ever get that childish. I know some of you, I don't even know if you had a childhood, some of you. you I know you had to be children at some time, but you've got to break loose. You've got to smile every once in a while. I've been, it's like, I just want the life to know, hey, do what you want to do, but in me there is something greater than what life can do to me. And if you think, if you think for one moment that that's going to do me in, you've got another thing coming. Rejoice not against me, O oh, mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Uh, hallelujah. Not only was he thankful, but it made him more prayerful. If there's anything that we need in this hour are people that are more prayerful. Because you can't get through life without praying. And I don't mean this quick, now lay me down to sleep prayer. I'm not talking about that 30-second prayer that you pray when somebody whips out in front of you and you, you go into travail. I'm talking about spending some time with God. I'm talking about you talking with Him on a regular basis and saying, God, I, I just want to come to you and tell you again that I cannot make it without your help. I, I can't fight these things. I can't overcome this without you. I'm not strong enough in myself. I've got to have you. Somebody's got to learn the value of prayer. Somebody's got to realize that if you don't do anything else but pray, you've done all that you can do. Pray. Pray. Paul realized that even in the most adverse circumstances, faith can grow. I don't understand it, but it does. It flourishes. And Paul come to understand that the enlargement of his ministry had been in great part due to the things that had happened to him. Now I'm going to tell you something. Some of you have prayed for God to use you. How many have prayed that prayer? And when God did... You got mad at him. Because God didn't use you the way you wanted God to use you. I, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to worship. You can't get my hands up. Now, did you pray God use me? And God said, okay, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you in a way you can't even imagine. I, I'm going to put you in a situation that only you alone have the, have the gifts and the abilities to make that a door of opportunity. But your life can be greater and better if you'll just wake up and realize that the things that have happened to me have rather turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I want to ask you a question. Is anybody better off this morning because of you? They ought to be. 
If you have the Holy Ghost in you, they ought to be. If you have the presence of God in your life, they ought to be. Amen. Does it matter that there's another church in this community that's called Greater Life Church? It ought to. I said it ought to. It ought to matter that there's a building here. It ought to matter that it's not just a social club or an order. It ought to be more than just a storage facility. It ought to be more than just an apartment complex. It ought to be a life-changing place. It ought to be a life-altering place. It ought to be a place where your families can be brought together and your children can be nurtured in the love and admonition of the Lord. Hear me this morning. It ought to make a difference. And it only can if we wake up and realize that the things that have happened to us have happened to us for a reason. God wants to further something. Reach over and take somebody by the hand and let's pray. In the name of Jesus. God, I've done all I know to do today. I've delivered the word that I believe you gave me. I pray that somehow your hand will rest upon this congregation today. God, that somebody will lift up their voice in praise and thanksgiving and say, God, I'm sorry for being a whiner. I'm sorry for crying and griping. I'm sorry, God, for having such a lousy attitude or a lousy spirit. I'm tired of being mean and vindictive. I'm tired of being harsh and mean. God, I'm, I'm tired of, uh, of being a, a caged lion. I want my spirit to be tempered and mellowed by your love and by your mercy. I want people to come to know you, Lord. I don't want them to be repelled from you. I want them to be drawn to you. I want my life to be a magnet that draws in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray with me right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.